was the tabby cat he'd spotted that morning. It was now sitting on his garden wall. He was sure it was the same one. It had the same markings around its eyes. Shoot, said Mr. Dursley loudly. The cat didn't move. It just gave him a stern look. Was this normal cat behavior? Mr. Dursley wondered, trying to pull himself together. He let himself into the house. He was still determined not to mention anything to his wife. Mrs. Dursley had a nice, normal day. She told him over dinner all about Mrs. Nextdoor's problems with her daughter and how Dudley had learned a new word, won't. Mr. Dursley tried to act normally. When Dudley had been put to bed, he went into the living room in time to catch the last report of the evening news. And finally, bird watchers everywhere have reported that the nation's owls have been behaving very unusually today. Although owls are normally hunt at night and hardly ever seen in daylight, there have been hundreds of sightings of these birds flying in every direction since sunrise. Experts are unable to explain why owls have suddenly changed their sleeping pattern. The newscaster allowed himself a green. Most mysterious. And now, over to Jim McCuffin with the weather. Going to be any more showers of owls tonight, Jim? Well, Ted, said the weatherman, I don't know about that, but it's not only the owls that have been acting very oddly today. Viewers as, part, as far apart as Kent, Yorkshire, and Dundee have been phoning in to tell me that instead of rain, I promised yesterday, they've had a downpour of shooting stars. People have been celebrating bonfire night early. It's not until next week, folks. But I can promise a wet night tonight. Mr. Dursley sat frozen in his armchair. Shooting stars all over Britain? Owls flying by daylight? Mysterious people in cloaks all over the place? And a whisper, a whisper about the potters. Mrs. Dursley came into the living room carrying two cups of tea. It was no good. He'd have to say something to her. He cleared his throat nervously. Er, Petunia, dear, you haven't heard from your sister lately, have you? As he had expected, Mrs. Thursley looked shocked and angry. After all, they normally pretended she didn't have a sister. No, she said sharply. Why? Funny stuff on the news, Mr. Thursley mumbled. Owls, shooting stars, and there were a lot of funny looking people in town today. So? She snapped. Well, I just thought maybe it was something to do with, you know, her crowd. Mrs. Dursley sipped her tea, pursed her lips. Mr. Dursley wondered whether he dared tell he'd heard the name Potter. He decided he didn't dare. Instead, he said as casually as he could, their son. He'd be about Dudley's age now, wouldn't he? I suppose so, said Mrs. Dursley stiffly. What's his name again? Howard, isn't it? Harry. Nasty common name, if you ask me. Oh, yes, said Mr. Dursley, his heart sinking horribly. Yes, I quite agree. 
He didn't say any other word on the subject as they went upstairs to bed. While Mrs. Dursley was in the bathroom, Mr. Dursley crept to the bedroom window and peered down into the front garden. The cat was still there. It was staring down at Privet Drive as though it was waiting for something. Was he imagining things? Could all this have to do with the Potters? If it did, if it got out that they were related to a pair of, well, he didn't think that he could bear it. The Dursleys got into bed. Mrs. Dursley fell asleep quickly, but Mr. Dursley lay awake, turning it all over his mind. Mr. Dursley lay awake, turning it all over in his mind. His last comforting thought before he fell asleep was that even if the Potters were involved, there was no reason for them to come near him and Mrs. Dursley. The Potters knew very well what he and Petunia thought about them and their kind. He couldn't see how he and Petunia could get mixed up in anything that might be going on. He yawned and turned over. It couldn't affect them. How very wrong he was. Mr. Dursley might have been drifting into an easy sleep, but the cat on the wall outside was showing no sign of sleepiness. It was sitting as still as a statue, its eyes fixed and blinkingly on the far corner of Privet Drive. It didn't so much as quiver when a cat door when a car door slammed on the next street nor when the two owls swooped overhead in fact it was nearly midnight before the cat moved at all a man appeared in the corner the cat had been watching appeared so suddenly and silently you'd thought he'd just popped out of the ground the cat's tail twitched and its eyes narrowed Nothing like this man had ever been seen on Privet Drive. He was tall, thin, and very old. Judging by the silver of his hair and his beard, which were both long enough to tuck into his belt, he was wearing long robes, a purple cloak that swept the ground, and a high-heeled buckled boots. His eyes were light blue, bright and sparkling, behind a half-moon spectacles, and his nose was very long and crooked, as though it had been broken at least twice. This man's name was Albus Dumbledore. Albus Dumbledore didn't seem to realize that he had just arrived in a street where everything from his name to his boots was unwelcomed. He was busy rummaging his cloak, looking for something, but he did seem to realize that he was being watched because looked, he looked up suddenly at the cat, which was still staring at him from the other end of the street. For some reason, the sight of the cat seemed to amuse him. He chuckled and muttered, I should have known. He found what he was looking for inside his pocket. It seemed to be a silver cigarette lighter. He flicked it open, held it up in the air, and clicked it. The nearest street lamp went out with a little pop. He clicked it again. The next lamp flickered into darkness. Twelve times he clicked 
the put outer until the only lights left on the whole street were the two tiny pinpricks in the distance, which were the eyes of the cat watching him. If anyone looked out at their window now, even beady-eyed Mrs. Thursday, they wouldn't be able to see anything that was happening down on the pavement. Dumbledore slipped the put-outer back in his cloak and set off down the street toward number four, where he sat down on the wall next to the cat. He didn't look at it, but after a moment he spoke to it. Fancy seeing you here, Professor McGonagall. He turned to smile at the tabby, but it had gone. Instead, he was smiling at a rather severe-looking woman who was wearing a square glasses, exactly the shape of the markings of the cat had around its eyes. She, too, was wearing a cloak, an emerald one. Her black hair was drawn in a tight bun. She looked distinctively ruffled. How did you know it was me? she asked. My dear professor, I've never seen a cat sit so stiffly. You'd be stiff if you'd been sitting on a brick wall all day, she said. All day? When you could have been celebrating? I mean, I pass a dozen of feasts and parties on my way here. Professor McGonagall sniffled angrily. Oh yes, everyone's celebrating all night, she said impatiently. You'd think they'd be a bit more careful, but no. Even muggles have noticed something's going on. It was on their news. She jerked her head back at the Dursley's dark living room window. I heard it. Flocks of owls, shooting stars. Well, they're not completely stupid. They were bound to notice something. Shooting stars down in Kent. I'll bet that was Dedalus Diggle. He never had much sense. You can't blame them, said Dumbledore gently. We had precious little to celebrate for 11 years. I know that, said Professor McGonagall irritably. But that's no reason to lose our heads. People are trying downright careless out on the streets in broad daylight, not even dressed in muggle clothes, swapping rumors. She threw a sharp sideways glance at Dumbledore here, as though hoping he was going to tell her something. But he didn't, so she went on. A fine thing it would be if, on the very day, you know who seems to have disappeared at last. The muggles found out all about us. I suppose he really has gotten Dumbledore. It certainly seems so, said Dumbledore. We have so much to be thankful for. Would you care for a lemon drop? A what? A lemon drop. The, they're kind of muggle sweet I'm rather fond of. No, thank you, said Professor McGonagall coldly, as though she didn't think this was a moment for lemon drops. As I say, even if you know who has gone, my dear Professor, surely you are a sensible person like yourself can call him by his name. All this you-know-who nonsense for eleven years, I have been trying to persuade people to call him by his proper name, Voldemort. Professor McGonagall flinched, but Dumbledore, who was unsticking two lemon drops, seemed not to notice. It all gets so confusing if we kept saying you-know-who, I have never seen any reason to be frightened. 
of saying Voldemort's name. I know you haven't, said Professor McGonagall, sounding half exasperated, half admiring. But you're different. Everyone knows you're the only one you know who... All right, Voldemort was frightened of. You flatter me, said Dumbledore calmly. Voldemort had powers I will never have. Only because you're too... Well, noble to use them. It's lucky it's dark. I haven't blushed so much since Madame Pomfrey told me she liked my new earmuffs. Professor McGonagall shot a sharp look at Dumbledore and said, The owls are nothing next to the rumors that are flying around. You know what everyone's saying about why he disappeared? About what finally stopped him? It seemed that Professor McGonagall had reached the point she was most anxious to discuss. The real reason she had been waiting on cold, hard wall all day, for neither as a cat nor as a woman had she fixed Dumbledore with such a piercing stare as she did now. It was plain that whatever everyone was saying, she was not going to believe it until Dumbledore told her it was true. Dumbledore, however, was choosing another lemon drop and did not answer. What they're saying, she passed on, is that last night Voldemort turned up on Godric's Hollow. He went to find the Potters. The rumor is that Lily and James Potter are, 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 that they're dead. Dumbledore bowed his head. Professor McGonagall gasped. Lily and James, I can't believe it. I didn't want to believe it. Oh, Albus. Dumbledore reached out and patted her on her shoulder. I know, I know, he said heavily. Professor McGonagall's voice trembled as she went on. That's not at all. They're saying he tried to kill Potter's son, Harry, but he couldn't. He tried to kill Potter's son, Harry, but... He couldn't kill that little boy. No one knows why or how, but they're saying that he couldn't kill Harry Potter. Voldemort's power somehow broke and that's why he's gone. Dumbledore nodded glumly. It's, it's, it's true, faltered Professor McGonagall.